Proverbs chapter 12. As we continue on in this series, just simply entitled Probing Proverbs, I'm sure you've had the experience in life where somebody said to you about someone else, he's just a good man, just a good man. Well, Proverbs talks about a good man. And we're going to just think a little bit about what that means and what God is teaching us. So look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse number two. It says, a good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous shall not be moved. A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord. So we have one of those antithetical parallelisms, a contrast between the good man and this wicked individual, wicked man, a man of wicked devices. On the one hand, good people whom God will show his favor on. He'll, he will bless their life. On the other hand, are the wicked. The word literally is not as like a broad word, like a good man is. It is a, a sort of narrow focus on those who are schemers or those who have uh, an ulterior motive. They, they're not straightforward. They're not open with you. And it says that schemer will be condemned by God. So it's a broad group of people. Uh, the good, uh, they're good. It, it's, it can have a lot of different meanings. Uh, and then this wicked, the very narrow scope. You know, as you read the book of Proverbs, there are a lot of adjectives God uses to describe those who are living a righteous or a wise life. Just for example, look in chapter 11. And we'll just look in chapter 11 and chapter 12 to see uh, sort of a list of those who are described by God. In verse number three of chapter 11, it says, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. So there you have the adjective upright. You look at verse five, the righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way. Now, perfect doesn't mean sinless. It means fully developed or mature, but again, another adjective. Look at verse 12. He that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. There's another uh, descriptive term, a man of understanding. Verse 13, a talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. That word faithful means somebody's trustworthy. Uh, verse 17, uh, the merciful man doeth good to his own soul. So merciful, it, it roughly means kind. Uh, verse 25 of chapter 11, the liberal soul shall be made fat, but he that waters shall be watered also himself. A generosity, a general goodness. Then chapter 12 just one, verse 16, the fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. 
So uh, all throughout the Proverbs, God is using these descriptive terms to describe or help us understand who he's talking about. Well, this term good in verse 2 of chapter 12 is another such characteristic, another adjective to describe a person whose life has God's favor, his acceptance, or his blessing. So let's look at this good man. The term good here, I've already uh, stated, is a broad or a general term. They're good in a ethical sense. Just a, they're just in general a good man. They do the right thing. You can always count on them to do the right thing. It, it, it is a, a little broad term, but it would be akin to the term righteous. They do the right thing. Uh, and the specifics are only uh, revealed to us within the context. One of the keys of understanding the Bible is reading the context, the verse, the verses before and after, the chapter, the book, uh, the, the testament. And so notice he says, a good man obtaineth favor of the Lord. Contrast, a man of wicked devices will he condemn. So the good man's put in contrast with this schemer, this person who has ulterior motives or hidden motives or secret motives. So the good man would be somebody who's open, somebody who's honest. You, you know where they're coming from. They're not trying to uh, cause you to do something for their advantage. They're just very open. They're, they're good in that. Whereas the wicked, with his wicked plans, is somebody who is, you, you're never really sure. You, you're, not, you're not convinced you can trust them. What, what's, their, what's their game here? What are they trying to accomplish? Why are they, why are they showing interest in me or in this uh, situation? Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Gentleness, goodness. Good, interesting. So in other words, a person who is under the control of the Holy Spirit exhibits this characteristic of goodness. We use the term spirit-filled, but sometimes that gets a little spooky in some people's minds. It just simply means spirit-controlled, where the spirit directs they go, where the spirit that evidences himself People see that spiritual quality in their life, their, their relationship with God. So a good man is somebody who's reflecting the goodness of God. God's grace is being shown through their life. This term, good, is used to describe God. Psalm 73, 1. Truly, God is good to Israel even to such as are of a clean heart. So God shows his goodness to Israel when Israel's walking in obedience to him with a clean heart. Or another verse, Psalm 86, verse 5, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon him. Now, I, for one, am very glad God is good. 
I, I'm glad that I don't have to earn God's favor. God, by his inherent, uh, who he is, is good. Every good gift and every perfect gift we saw Sunday night cometh down from the Father uh, above, who's without variableness, neither shadow of turning. God never changes, folks. God, uh, even the song at the end of the service, God is always good. In fact, you could put it this way, God cannot be anything but good because that is what he is. That's his nature. And, and here in this proverb, we are being challenged to not be on again, off again, not to be kind and unkind, but to have that consistent testimony of just being good, to be a good man. It's not talking about being some kind of super spiritual saint. It's not talking about some production of life. It's just talking to describe the benevolence of God. Are we good toward people even when that's not convenient or it's not our, in our nature to do so? This good man has the favor of the Lord. So let's look at that a little more closely. This good man. Proverbs 13, 22 says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinners laid up for the just. By the way, that's not just talking about leaving monetary means. In fact, you leave your children's children far more if you leave them the reputation of being a good man. I have in my library a Strong's Concordance. It's, you know, three, four inches thick, and it's an encyclopedia volume. Anymore, it's sort of an archaic thing. Nobody really buys them anymore because there's so many online tools uh, why would you want to carry around a book like that? But that book will always be on my library shelf because if you were to open the front fly leaf in 1966 or 67, our family moved from Costa Mesa, California to Vista, California, a couple hours away. And the pastor of the church and the church staff wrote a, a, a testimony to my mom and dad and spoke about my dad's character and how much he was going to be missed. You want to know something? My dad left me zero financially. In fact, he left us a lot of bills because he was uh, unemployed, didn't have insurance when he had open-heart surgery. But he left me a great treasure in knowing those who knew my dad were blessed by his character. Pastor Jeff Hallmark, Jerusalem Baptist Church, Prince George BC, we helped with their building program. I didn't know it, but one of the first years I was here in Canada, I went to the National Pastors Conference, sitting at a round table, getting to know a few guys. This was the one out in, uh, outside of Edmonton. And uh, guys were telling where they went to school and so on. And Brother Hallmark said, yeah, I went to Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College. That caught my ear. I said, what years were you there? He told me. I said, did you happen to know Howard Wall? He said, are you Brother Wall's son? Oh, your dad was great. My dad was a cook. Everybody liked him. He fed him well. 
And Brother Hallmark told me a couple of stories about my dad when he was a student at the college. You see, to, to have that kind of character of influence, it lasts a whole lot longer than money, lands, or business. It lasts forever. A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Proverbs 14, 14. Well, you can turn over. It's right there next to our text here. Proverbs 14, 14, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. Psalm 112, verse 5, a good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. He has a generous heart, a generous eye. Now, he's not always hanging on to every, make every nickel scream. It's the idea of being well-pleasing, to be morally upright. It's a characteristic that draws people to you, not pushes them away. And the Bible gives us a New Testament illustration of a good man. Turn, keep your finger here, we'll come back, but turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, the, the church is empowered. Acts chapter 2, 3,000 saved, added to the church. It's daily meeting house to house. Things are just dynamically exploding. Uh, Acts chapter 6, you have an issue in the church of the widows being neglected. They thought maybe it was a, a racial issue uh, and, and so on. But in the midst of all of that, we have this story at the end of Acts chapter 4, verse 32 says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Notice verse 36. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, the son of encouragement, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So we're introduced to this man, Barnabas. His character was such that they named him an encourager. Why? He encouraged uh, helping out those who had lost their jobs due to persecution. He, he wasn't just hanging on to things for himself. He wanted to take care of the body of believers. Uh, by the way, I believe that's biblical benevolence. It's not going out on the street and, and uh, nothing wrong if you want to have a soup kitchen or a food pantry or something like that. But true Bible benevolence is to the brothers and sisters in the local church. Here's your example. Well, then... In Acts chapter 9, you have Saul of Tarsus get saved, and everybody's freaking out over that. you got to read the Greek to understand that freaking out part. But anyway, they're afraid of the guy. He, he, had, he had the power of the church to go and throw people into prison. 
But Barnabas took him under his wing, took a risk, and introduced him to the church, gave him status, and Saul of Tarsus was accepted, not because of Saul of Tarsus, he was accepted because of Barnabas. Then you go to Acts chapter 11. And the Bible says about Barnabas in verse 24, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added to the Lord. You know what the Bible doesn't say about Barnabas? He was a great evangelist and thousands got saved. The Bible doesn't say about Barnabas, he planted churches all over Asia Minor. What the Bible doesn't say about Barnabas is he was used of God to write inscribed scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit. What it says about him was he was a good man. He encouraged the people in the church. He vouched for somebody who would have never gotten status in the church because he was a good man led by the Holy Spirit. You know what? Anybody can be a Barnabas. Anybody can be a Barnabas. If you, if you come to church and on your way to church, you're praying, Lord, help me encourage somebody today, and you keep your antenna up, guess what? God will give you somebody to encourage. Now, if you just go and park yourself in the pew and don't talk to anybody, then probably that won't happen. If you look for somebody to encourage, God will give you away. God, help me this week to encourage somebody. He'll put somebody on your heart to call Send a card to, stop by and say, hey, we don't want you to feel like you're forgotten. It's sad to me. And, you know, there's two sides to every story, so I'm not, I'm not uh, accusing us of doing everything wrongly. But I was told last Sunday, somebody who's been afraid to come to church because of COVID actually verbalized, well, I don't know if I'll ever go back to Faithway. Nobody's reached out to me. Now, the truth is, I know that's not actually true because I have. I know a couple other people who have. But feelings become reality if you let them. And my point is this, folks. You know what? We're going through this dynamic shift now of two years ago, we locked down and don't talk to anybody, don't shake hands with anybody, don't even look at anybody. You might catch COVID. And now that's all dying away and it's going to open up. And in a few months, I know the politicians well enough. I've watched politicians all my life, and I don't trust any of them. So they're going to enact emergency orders, and then they'll take them off when people don't like it. I don't know who would do that, but, you know, maybe somebody would do something like that. Now they're going to remove mask mandates. It's going to happen. But you know what's the sad thing to me? And this is, I already have prayed about it and grieving about it. We have people who won't come because they're afraid. Fear is a terrible thing. God does not give us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. You know what they're going to need? They're going to need a lot of encouragement. A lot of encouragement. And it's going to take all of us to be serious about that. It's going to take all of us to say, hey, you know, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Be wise. Don't, don't be foolish. But we need, we need a church full of in, encouragers. Barnabas didn't do all the stuff that we think of makes a great Christian. But Barnabas, according to God, according to the Holy Scriptures, was a 
encourager. He was a good man. Notice back in our text in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 2, the good man obtaineth favor of the Lord. The word favor or the root for that word is found 14 times in in the book of Proverbs. It basically means acceptance or goodwill or approval. In other words, the Bible says a good man who just tries to do the right thing and encourage others and, and be a blessing to people hears God say, good job. God's favor, God's approval, God's well done. It comes from a word which means to be pleased with. Is that not what all of us want? We want God to be pleased. We want to hear that final commendation when we enter into heaven, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That comes from being a good man, a good woman. Somebody who, it's not based on your, your, uh, your abilities within yourself because all of us can be an encouragement if we want to be. Now look back in Proverbs 11. Let's see some times where this is used. Uh, verse 1 of Proverbs 11. A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. That word delight is that root for the word favor. When we do the right thing, we don't try and tip the scales to take advantage of a situation. We're honest in our dealings. God says, good job. Well done. Look at verse number 20 of chapter 11. They that are of a froward heart are abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are his delight. When people know what you say is true, you're not bending it, you're not exaggerating it, you're not twisting it, you're not froward in your speech, your speech is upright, you have God's favor, his delight. Look down verse 27 of chapter 11. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. Turn back with me now to Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1 to bring the context. But it says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. So this is an obedient follower of God. For length of days, long life, and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Notice verse 4. When you do that, so shalt thou find favor. God's well done. God's thumbs up. God's I'm pleased with you. And good understanding in the sight of God and man. Turn forward, chapter 8, right at the end of chapter 8, verse 35. For whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. 
And this is talking about back in verse 33, hearing instruction, gaining wisdom, not pushing it off, you'll have favor of the Lord. Uh, so the Bible is saying that when we walk in God's wisdom, we'll have a full life, a satisfying life, and the approval of God. Well done. Matthew Henry, and obviously he's 1600, so his writing's a little more old English, but he said about this verse, we are really as we are with God. Those are happy, truly happy, forever happy, that obtained favor from the Lord, though the world frown upon them and they find little favor with men. For in God's favor is life, and that is the foundation of all good. What was he saying? If nobody finds anything good in me, but God is pleased, that's all I need to be content. Now notice back in our text, and we'll wrap it up, the second half of verse number two. A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a wicked a man of wicked devices will he uh, condemn. Proverbs 14, 17, he that is soon anger dealeth foolishly, but a man of wicked devices is hated. That schemer, that person you're never really sure, what's their motive, what's their angle, what are they trying to get at? Let me go back. We're not going to turn there because our time is almost gone. But Acts chapter 4 told us about the good man, Barnabas. Acts chapter 5 tells us about the wicked man, Ananias. Remember Ananias and Sapphira sold a piece of land? God never demanded they give it all. But they wanted the same kind of press that Barnabas got. So they said they were giving it all. Look at us. We're giving it all. But in their hearts, they had schemed. They were not open. They were not honest. But we see there a very graphic illustration how you can't hide anything from God. Why do you lie to the Holy Ghost? Peter said, and they paid the price. You see, this person, this wicked person is deceptive. They're shrewd and they don't have the favor of God. Oh, they may be able to swing the big deal and put a lot of money in the bank account, but I'd rather have no money with the favor of God than a lot of money and be condemned by God. Notice how verse 3 goes on to amplify it. A man shall not be established by wickedness. There's no, there's no foundation for that person who's always trying to take advantage, swing a deal, not be honest. But the root of the righteous shall not be moved. Have you ever tried to dig the roots out of a massive tree? This week, the arborist got back to us. Not only are we going to lose that big crimson maple out here, which is sad. It's the nicest tree on the whole property. But they're going to have to probably remove one of those ugly spruce trees. I said, they can remove them all if they'd like. I mean, that's fine by me. 
But you start tearing into the roots of that crimson maple, I imagine that's going to be some He-Man kind of work. They probably will just grind them out. But the, the truth of the matter is, a child of God, Psalm 1, is planted by the rivers of water so that even in an arid place, they're beautiful, full-leaved out, and fruitful. That's how the good man is described here. His roots shall not be moved. This is a simple Bible study, I understand, but a powerful truth. To live a life of wisdom, to live a life of, uh, of, that honors God is not to be some great super Christian, but to just be a good man, just be a good woman that seeks to encourage and help others whom God can use in great ways. You see, you choose a life of wisdom, you receive the well done of God. You choose the life of work in your own plan, your own manipulation, you face the judgment of God. You see, we can fool some of the people some of the time, but we can never fool God. You want the simple one-sentence summation of this study? God blesses the righteous and judges the wicked every single time. Can we take the admonition to heart tonight and make it the desire of our heart? God, I just want to be a good man. I just want to be a good woman. I don't care that people think I'm something, I want you to know that's who I am because I'm just your servant. I'm just your hands. I'm just your mouth. I'm just your feet. I don't want to be known as a discourager of God's people. I want to be known as an encourager of God's people. I want to be a Barnabas. Someday, Bob Wall's life's going to be over. Ministry's going to be done. I won't preach another sermon. I don't know when that happens. Hopefully not too, anytime too soon. But when I'm dead and gone, it would be a wonderful thing if people would just say, you know what? He probably wasn't the best sermon preacher I ever heard. He, he, he really forgot a lot of things. He wasn't, he wasn't good at a lot of things, but he was a good man. And if that's true, life's been worth living. Let's strive to be good people. Do you know what? Our words are powerful. So don't waste them. Don't waste them. We can all gripe and complain. We got plenty to gripe and complain about. But we can all encourage. We can all bless. We can strengthen those who are weak just by a little thought and a wise use of words directed by the Spirit of God. Let's strive to do that, all right? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if visitors come into our church and leave saying, I don't know what's going on there, but there's something different there. They really love the Lord, and they're really a blessing to be around. They're just, they're just good people. Man, that'd be tremendous. I pray it'll be so.